0: You seem a good fellow. I hate to kill you. You yeah. seem a good fellow. I hate to die. I hate to die. <laughs> Dodge this.
1: I am your father. Oh. I'm here on a mission of mercy. You shall
2: not pass! There's only one God, man. And I'm pretty sure he doesn't dress like that. What's oh, for a smile? Face. i yes. want the truth you can't handle the truth
0: open the pod bay doors huh? i'm sorry dave i'm afraid i can't do that welcome to the real world this is episode 141 of the movie bite podcast it is a show where we talk about movies movie reviews movie news trailers princesses and more. I'm TJ, and I have taken on the mantle of the dread Pirate Roberts for this show, and joining us from a faraway land, he had to cross the cliffs of insanity to get here. It is truly inconceivable. It is Joe the Giant. How are you, Joe? <laughs> hey, TJ.
1: Good evening. How are you, man?
0: I'm doing well. How's your day been going? Uh, How's your week I been going? I hope you
1: look very handsome in your special mask there you got, the black yes,
0: one. Yes, yes. Well, my, my mask. Skills, my swashbuckling skills are nothing to be trifled with. Mm. But mm. speaking of swashbuckling skills, also joining us this evening with his sword in hand, ready to swashbuckle, mm. it is Inigo Chad Hopkins Matoya. How are you, Chad? I am doing well. How are you? I'm doing just fine. <laughs> are you here to avenge play. your father? I, I am. Yeah. Should avenge we, my
2: father through movie reviews. Should we
0: prepare to die? Yes. Okay. Definitely do that. <laughs> I then, Chad. I am doing great, TJ. How are you? I'm I'm doing well. So you you've been dead, and now you're back. You've come back from the to life, just like Joe did, and so you've come back to join us again on the Movie Bite Podcast.
2: I did, just like Wesley.
0: Yes, <laughs> you were mostly dead, but now you're mostly dead is uh, still somewhat alive. Uh, yes. So so exactly. we uh, we have you, the pleasure of having you on the show once again to talk about a movie that. Uh, that uh, I think all of us are going to say that we like, probably, but we won't spoil too much. Uh, but what we want to do, though, is we want to get to some movie news and some trailers and some things. So uh, one of the trailers that caught my eye and piqued my interest a little bit, and then I sent it to you, Joe, and then you, like, freaked out. And you're, like, <laughs> ready to just drop everything and go see this movie if you could. But OMG. you can't. It's, it's not out yet. This is the trailer for The Martian by Ridley Scott.
2: Every human being has a basic instinct,
0: to help each other out. If a hiker gets lost in the mountains, people coordinate a search. If an earthquake levels the city,
2: people all over the world send emergency supplies.
1: This instinct is found in every culture, without exception.
2: at 30 a.m. our satellites detected a storm approaching the Ares 3 mission site on Mars. The storm had escalated to severe and we had no choice but to abort the mission. But during the evacuation, astronaut Mark Watney was killed.
0: That was from the trailer for the upcoming film The Martian by Ridley Scott. It stars such people as Matt Damon, I think I saw Jessica Chastain in there, Kate Mara, uh, Sebastian Stan, uh, let's see, Sean Bean? I didn't see him Mm. in the trailer, but he is listed here. Kristen Wiig, uh, Donald Glover. uh, A lot of people, TJ. A lot of people, a lot of people, (laughs) all all the good actors, all the good actors. Mm -hmm. All the great faces. Yes. So uh, what do you think, guys? Is this something you guys want to see? What do you? What it's about? It's a winner, man.
1: I'm going to bu- uh, make myself a bucket of popcorn and rewatch the trailer right after this podcast.
0: <laughs> so you're really into it, Joe. Yep. 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 What about you, Chad? Is this looking interesting to you? Yeah,
2: it looks really exciting. It uh, sort of reminds me a little bit of uh, parts of Interstellar, parts of Gravity. Right. It's definitely yes. got that same sort of feel to it. But I think. Uh, it definitely does seem like they've got a little bit different of a story to tell, and I'm excited to see how it pans out.
0: Yeah, it's it's interesting. It's it's like we're 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 thinking about space again. I, I've noticed a lot of themes lately that that's kind of push, pushing us back towards space. And this comes at a time I think when NASA's really been pulling back, and and our space exploration program really just isn't going anywhere. And I think people are are really wishing that we could make something of space and the stars and. And uh, so I think that that's what this is coming out of. Uh, and at the same time, I feel like this looks a little bit like what I wanted out of Interstellar. And I, I say that not having seen the movie yet. Uh, I was quite disappointed with Interstellar in a lot of ways. And maybe this is more of what I wanted from Interstellar. Um, not not quite so much uh, heavy-handed, high-and-mighty uh, cerebral storytelling and more a story with a little more heart and a little more character and a little more of a story to tell, you know, it's still a yeah. survival story kind of thing. Am I, mm-hmm. am I tracking with you guys? You're right. All? You're right.
1: Yeah. It's based on a novel and, and a, a very good one from the looks of it. I heard an inter- interview with the author a while back and what it came down to was, that the author just wanted to tell a realistic story, a survival story that as realistic as he possibly could make it. Mm-hmm. So he went to great lengths to uh, interview people at NASA and other people based on a similar kind of scenarios that be in the know professionally about what it might be like. And then to the best of his ability, he told that story. He, that's the story he wanted to write. He didn't want it to be loosey goosey science fiction. That was more fantasy than reality and, uh, and and what you got is that product in his novel. So then, folks at NASA fell in love with the book, and um, he he got some good uh, you know what do you call it like reviews and you know uh, some good press coverage where people were saying, "Wow, you you really nailed some things, and we don't even we don't really even think about you know that uh, we didn't realize was." Uh, you know, readily available information that you could, you, you know, like you came up with things that we're talking about here that we didn't realize anybody else would have was thinking about, and uh, and they, like you, you basically nailed it. So uh, yeah, the, with that kind of you know, you know, applause, it, it's no wonder that Hollywood snatched up this movie, and <laughs> I'm really excited about it.
0: Well, I mean, the biggest perk for this movie, in in, in my opinion, is that it doesn't have a stoned Matthew McConaughey sitting around going we spend our time looking up at the stars and now we just spend our time digging around in the dirt. Well, you yeah. know, what's kind of weird
1: too, is considering that that film had met Damon and this one does. That too. is interesting, it's, isn't it? Yes, and Jessica God. Chastain.
0: Yes, Jessica Chastain as well. Um, so uh, I was happy to see uh, Kate Mara in the cast as well. it be interesting to see if she plays a big part or not. She's starting to get around and she was fantastic in season one of House of Cards. I was I was so disappointed when I tuned into the premiere of season two, and it became apparent that uh, Kate Mara would not be joining us for the rest of of a House of Cards, um, because she did such a fantastic job in the first season. So I've I've really been happy with her as an actress, and and want to continue to see her in some things. So um,
1: I added to the show notes a another link to another video related to the film. It looks like a I don't know if this is extra footage that's not in the film or if it's actually uh footage in the film that they just, uh, you know, created a, a separate preview with, but uh, it looks rather oh, in depth.
0: Oh, this is okay. I'll make sure this gets in the show notes. This is a viral video um, that, that they kind of did before the trailer to kind of start getting people ah. excited and you know, this viral video stuff that goes around. I never did. I didn't, didn't get a chance to watch it. Actually, I've been super busy and I, I literally had to take like time out and like when I saw that this trailer dropped, yeah, I'm like, neither, okay, yeah. this, this is one that I'm gonna have to sit and watch. So, I took time out from work for a second to watch it, but, uh, yeah, so that, that's the, that's the viral stuff that they've kind of been doing with this, this movie. So I'll make sure that ends up in the show notes as well. Any other thoughts, Chad? No, I'm just excited. Good, good, good. Um, well let's talk about, uh, let's continue the conversation about Jurassic park and Jurassic world (laughs) and all that. And in this, uh, this, uh, Jurassic world trailer, it's the, uh, uh, what do you call it? The uh, um, uh, It's weird that the YouTube video calls it the official final trailer, but it's international trailer. That's the word I'm looking for. It's the international trailer. So let's take a listen to that. Well, that's there's not a <laughs> lot of some very uh,
1: dramatic egg crackling noise yes, there, TJ. Yes.
0: But the the, mm, the reason I want to talk about crackling. this trailer though is because this is the first trailer from this film that I've seen that I just loved. Um, all the trailers before this were just like eh, whatever, whatever, I don't know. And, and I love this trailer, guys. I love the way it's edited. I love the way it's put together. I love the suspense. I love the timing of the edits. I love what they're doing with the egg cracking and, and cutting between the scenes. And I love the sound design. Like I just love this trailer. What what do you and you guys are more fans of Jurassic Park than I am. So so tell me tell me what you guys are thinking, especially you Chad, since you haven't been on the show.
2: I think a problem that the previous trailers have been having is that they're focusing too much on the Chris Pratt character. Mm. And I'm not saying that Chris Pratt is a bad thing because obviously he's very big in our culture right now, which is why the focus has been on him. He's he's just fresh off of Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, What is the TV show he's in? Is it Community, I think? Um, Yes. He's very, very popular right now, and he's very, very funny. And so – They've been trying to market it through Chris Pratt now, whereas I think that what they need to do is what they just did with this trailer is they need to market it through the dinosaurs because that is the spectacle of Jurassic Park is you're right. going to see these dinosaurs and that's what's so cool about it.
0: Right. Well, I mean, I mean, people love Jurassic Park so much anyway, the original film like it's it's weird that they're not pushing that angle more. You're absolutely right. Um, despite the fact that I thought it was OK, but didn't love it, I I, I would still get more excited If it were coming at it from an angle of this is Jurassic Park, but this is a new take on it, but it's still Jurassic Park. Like I would be more excited about that than the marketing that they're doing with Chris Pratt. I I think Chris Pratt is fine, but he's he's a little hard to take seriously. I mean, obviously, he played Star Lord Um, and and it's just like this trailer minimizes his role and his presence and says, hey, guess what? This is going to be a serious movie where there's going to be some serious stuff happening. These dinosaurs are menacing and in a way. I, um, as much as I like to complain about CGI in our, our day and age, um, there is a sense in which, too, the CGI can, they can do so much that they couldn't do with the original Jurassic Park. And and I know it's probably gonna, you know, hit the Uncanny Valley meter for me, like CGI always does, but I'm still looking forward to seeing just what they can do in 2015 with a movie like this. So, also, guys, is it just me or does Bryce Dallas Howard look like Jessica Chastain, like spitting image look like Jessica Chastain? Oh. I can see that a little bit. I mean, she I just she, she, I, I she, thought she, she was has, Jessica Chastain. That's how much I thought she looked like. <laughs> she
1: has bigger more uh what do you call uh distinct distinct actually accent, accentuated um cheekbones?
0: Hm. Maybe. I don't okay. know. Uh, well, okay. So um, when I did the Google search for Bryce Dallas Howard, uh, it showed up down here. You know how Google does? It? It says people also search for, and the second result is Jessica Chastain. Um, <laughs> and I'm just looking. So I'm looking at both of their pictures, and I guess you're right. Like I would say Jessica Chastain actually has more accentuated cheekbones. Like I could see them competing for yeah. the same roles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, what are you thinking, Joe?
1: I, I think that it's really hard to tell, judging the trailers, because if even even if you go back to something like the original Jurassic Parks trailers and you watch those, they may not be able to sell you on that particular movie. And that one just did really well for me. Um, th- this is one of the kinds of movies that I think a trailer can make or break the box office, but it can't really be a good judge of the character of the film.
0: Yeah, I know. I know.
1: So I, I like when I look at some of these shots, they feel a little bit too on the nosed, a little bit too staged. They don't have the organic quality of a well-crafted story that feels a little bit. Uh, I, I kind of wish that I don't want to say that it would be like documentary filmmaking, but I wish it would feel a little bit more organic, a little bit more natural, like, some of the shots just looked a little bit too staged. Well, you know, Like you see a Pratt in some action poses and then you see what's her name, you know, in a, in a very somber, t- you know, look, you know, looking down to the this ground. Is, this is
0: going to be a fairly you typical know. modern summer movie though. I mean, you're, you're not going to get you're what right. you're asking for. You're
1: right. But at the same time, I still feel like at times that was one of the reasons that we liked the original Jurassic Park films was when – They kind of overcame the stereotypical. How do we frame this to convey that the audience should feel excited? You know, no, you just show something you know very chaotic actually happening in a realistic way, and and allow for people to go into uh, survival mode and just let us see that. Uh, does that make sense? Uh, it feels a little bit more natural, and that was something that I liked. I, I, know, I feel I, like we might I, I get miss what that you're
0: saying, but I also you got to remember what I'm trying to remind you, Joe, is you're talking about a summer movie in 2015. It's <laughs> just not going to happen. Now, is is Spielberg involved at all in this film? Yes, he's executive producer. So no, he's not involved.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, he was yeah. executive producer for some of the Transformers things, right? Oh,
0: gosh, yes. Oh, I suppose. And he so. wasn't. Yeah, I would not lay those at his feet, although I do fault him for being involved at all, especially after <laughs> the first one. And you're like, what are you thinking, dude? So it's just. Executive producer is just a name. It's basically just. Uh, yeah, our, our, it's basically my production company is probably throwing a little money at this. And uh, here, attach my name because I'm a big star guy. Um, so no, he doesn't really have anything to do with it, which is unfortunate. Um, I. This is the thing. I really love this trailer, but it still hasn't convinced me that the movie is going to be any good. Like you're saying, Joe, I, I feel like it's just going to be typical summer. I feel like it's going to, to me, it's probably going to have some of the same problems that Jurassic Park has, which is a little bit of a lack of character development and a whole lot of blow them up, shoot up, bang, bang, boom, dinosaurs stomping around. Um, I think
1: it's going to have more of it than the original Jurassic Park for sure. Yes, yes. And probably more than the second one, too. Chad, did you like any of these sequels?
2: I think of the two sequels that the third one is, was the better of the, uh, them,
0: but
1: uh, there's hear. a way that yeah. I can agree with you in a way,
2: uh, but that's not really saying that much. I'm not no. really much a fan of any, but the first.
0: Yeah. And Chad, I've been waiting for you to chastise me for my views on, on my <laughs> dim view of the first film.
2: Uh, I mean, we're each entitled to our opinion, even if it's wrong. Um, but uh,
0: this is a podcast, man. You gotta, you gotta fight it out. You gotta let me know. <laughs> well, <laughs> is- you are. Like I
2: said, you're wrong, but it, it, it is one of my favorite movies. I, I'm one of the people who's read the book uh, and seen the film, and I love both for different reasons. For the same reasons, in some cases, uh, it's just it's so exciting and. For its time, the CGI, the animatronics, all of that was just so well done. And the suspense mm-hmm. and the acting, I mean, it's just such a great film,
1: and you're wrong. <laughs>
0: <laughs> what you're saying is I'm entitled to my incorrect opinion. Exactly. Exactly that. <laughs> okay, okay, fair enough.
1: Thanks, Chad, for backing me up there. No problem, Joe.
0: Well, I, I recognize that I am one of the few <laughs> people in the world who wasn't overly thrilled when I saw Jurassic Park. I I, I, I can be in the minority, and I'm okay with that. I I try to stay. Uh, no, I don't. <laughs> I have my opinions, and I stick to them uh, unless I change my opinions. Anyway, uh, that's okay. That's
1: okay, TJ. We, we understand. Should, yeah, we should. We're move on From you. the well, we, Indominus
0: we, Rex. Well, all
1: you need to do is, you know, you know, keep taking your meds, and you know it's okay. We understand.
0: TJ's off his meds again. <laughs> it's a problem there wasn't a lot of movie news this week the only other thing that came out that was interesting to an extent and and i want to talk about this uh but this is the uh how it should have ended for avengers age of ultron but it's only a part one so uh just here's a quick listen All our work it's is gone. True, yeah. Ultron deleted everything, and now
2: he's in the internet.
0: If he's in the internet, he can do anything.
2: Hey, guys, I can't check my emails. He
0: changed all our passwords.
2: It gets worse. <laughs> Ultron shut off the cable.
1: This is all your fault. <laughs> How are we supposed to watch Game of Thrones now, Tony? <laughs>
0: oh,
1: we got no cable. We've got no internet. Rage. <laughs> Easy, big guy.
2: Hey. I'm calling in Veronica. You think I don't know
0: about Veronica? I have care of you. <laughs> All right, you kind of get the idea. Uh, it's a little funnier on second watch. Uh, one of the reasons I wanted to talk about this was I felt like it wasn't necessarily their best work. I don't know, but they're really good at pointing out um, kind of the plot holes, even even if we love the movie, the plot holes that the movie has. And and Avengers: Age of Ultron <laughs> had a lot of them to be to be sure.
2: Well, yeah. So, uh, and in that clip you just showed, it, it, I think it also, they do a good job of pointing out cultural things or, or things that, uh, the marketing did that were kind of silly too. You with the, with the whole Pinocchio song that they used for the first three to four trailers or 10. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, they, they used it over and over and over again to very poor effect. And then, uh, the, like the Hulk getting angry and turning into the Hulk just based on, uh cable going out i mean pe- people do that kind of thing they they really do get angry about that kind of stuff and i think they they do have that sort of cultural sharp wit about them uh not just about the the movie but about what's happening around the movie in the context
0: yeah yeah and this this uh the, the part one and we don't know when part two is coming up but part one of this honest trailer definitely points out kind of the whole uh you know, Ultron didn't really think through much of that. He wasn't really a very good villain. (laughs) Like like, He could have easily just destroyed the world, uh, you know, 20 times over in the amount of time it took him to figure out his weird harebrained plan to raise the rock up (laughs) in the air and and make it and turn it into a meteor. And uh. (laughs) Well, everything's connected
2: to the Internet, and so if he was in charge of that, then definitely he should have been able to.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know, Joe, what are you thinking?
1: I just love that the solution falls upon Superman
0: <laughs> to go back in time. <laughs> that's become the that's become the hishy uh um thing, you know, it's Superman and Batman always somehow are kind of I know,
1: but this <laughs> was brilliant. Like in in the past they've just had really clever play for playful banter, but here they're actually doing something in, involved in in the story. <laughs> we'll see. And so yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, uh, essentially the, uh, well, no, you know what? I won't spoil it for people. You should go watch it. It, it is <laughs> worth watching. It'll be in the uh, show notes, uh, how Avengers Age of Ultron should have ended. Joe. Joe, can you tell our good listeners where they may find the show notes for this episode of the Movie Byte podcast?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you want to sit at your computer or on your mobile device and open a web browser and go to the URL field, you can type in HTTP slash slash colon colon, slash slash (laughs) www.moviebyte.com slash mbpodcast slash (laughs) 141.
0: Interesting to note, Joe, that though that will get you there, uh, I redirect away from www. I take as much cruft what? out of the, I take as much craft out of the URL as I can.
1: Yeah, you know, you really <laughs> don't even need to type in the HTTP. No,
0: either. no, you just do moviebite.com slash mb podcast slash one forty one, and you will get there. Ah, tech nerds. <clears throat> okay, so um, that's it for news this week, uh, and uh, so we should talk about a movie that. Uh, how, how shall we say it's it's one for the ages it's it's, it's a, near and it's dear to classic. our hearts it's it's we near. were just reading
1: we were just reading this bedtime story to our children yesterday
0: that's right yes it, it is mm-hmm. uh it is a bedtime story and it's near and dear to our hearts and it is a classic we are reviewing today the princess bride grandfather's here can't you tell him I'm sick? he'll pinch my cheek i hate that maybe he won't hey how are you shaking Huh? I brought you a special present. What is it? It was the book my father used to read to me when I was sick, and I used to read it to your father. And today, I'm going to read it to you. It was a time when life didn't seem so complicated.
2: Marriage is what brings us together <laughs> today.
0: <laughs> what? What? <laughs> what? I'm killing myself once we reach the honeymoon suite. Won't that be nice me? <laughs> a courtly age of gentle conversation. I will always come for you. <laughs> How can you be sure? This is true love. Oh no! Is this a kissing book? <laughs> <laughs> that was the trailer for the 1987 classic, The Princess Bride. It was released on September the 25th of that year, 1987. It had a budget of 15 million dollars. It brought in 4.4 million on opening weekend. And the worldwide gross was $30.8 million. So a little bit different money than we talk about when we talk about today's movies. Uh, the credit consensus is that a delightfully postmodern fairy tale, The Princess Bride is a deft, intelligent mix of swashbuckling romance and comedy that takes an age-old damsel in distress story and makes it fresh. The director was Rob Reiner, who directed When Harry Met Sally and A Few Good Men. So his career has kind of been all over the map. Yeah, <laughs> the uh, the writer was William Goldman. He wrote the book and the screenplay. I'm given to understand. And yes. the stars are Carrie Elwes, uh Mandy Patinkin, Chris Ser- Sarandon, uh, Christopher Guest, Wallace Shawn, Andre the Giant, Fred Savage, Robin Wright, Peter Falk, Mel Smith and Billy Crystal. I forgot to find out who the composer was. Chad, do you know anything about the composer and this wretched, wretched music of the 80s?
2: <laughs> Mark Knopfler. I don't know many of his scores because mm-hmm. I'm not very familiar with him. But uh, Wikipedia says he composed the scores for Local Hero in 1983, Cal in 1984, Wag the Dog in 1997. And so he's clearly a very, very big name.
0: Mm. Hmm. <laughs> yeah. I'm uh, not recognizing any of those. No. So, yeah, the interesting thing about the music is it, it, it's it's not it, I, I wouldn't say it's good, but it serves mm. the story well, like because it's, it's a quintessential 80s movie, I guess you would right. say. And it, it serves the story well enough. And, and it was um, I was listening actually recently a couple weeks ago to somebody who was uh, talking about the Princess Bride. And they were saying that the music was very intentionally uh, kept like 80s music and low key and not very good. Like, that was kind of the point, I guess, of the... Uh,
1: well, they didn't think at the time that it was considered not not especially good. They actually liked it. It was very trendy.
0: Mm,
2: yeah. Well, I think the, a lot of this movie... I mean, I'll get, get into this more a little bit later, but this movie is almost very stylized after a pulp cereal kind of thing where... Uh, the adventures of Wesley and buttercup and you have the scene on the farm and then you have this scene in the fire swamp and you have the scene here and here (laughs) and and they could all be presented as separate tales that form one larger overarching story. You mean like a mini series maybe. Right, exactly. And and in that kind of medium, I think that kind of music really fits it very well, especially when you look at the genre in uh, years past. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Well, Joe, why don't you tell us about the storyline and we can really start digging in here.
1: Alrighty. Where's my storyline? All right. A kindly grandfather sits down with his ill grandson and reads him a story. The story is one that has been passed down from father to son for generations. What are you
0: doing, Joe? I don't
1: know. I'm not that old. (laughs) As the grandfather reads the story, the action comes alive. Is this better, TJ? Uh, Sure. (laughs) The story is a classic tale of love and adventure. As the beautiful Buttercup, engaged to the odious Prince Humperdinck, is kidnapped and held against her will in order to start a war, it is up to Wesley, her childhood beau, to return as the dread pirate Roberts to save her. On the way, he meets a thief and his hired helpers, an accomplished swordsman and a huge, super-strong giant, both of whom become Wesley's companions in his quest to save the Princess Buttercup.
0: All right, guys. Um, so you might be shocked to learn, or probably not actually, that I had not seen this film until I believe Yesterday. it was the end of 2004. Wow. Um, mm. That's when I saw this film first. It was a requirement before I married Rachel that I see this <laughs> film because it is a, uh, a family favorite of uh, Rachel's side of the family. And so it was basically everybody ganged up on me and said, "If you, what? You, wait, you haven't seen The Princess Bride? Well, you have to see it and you have to like it before you can marry Rachel." So um I naturally saw it and I naturally I liked approve it. of their family values, right. sir. <laughs> I, I thought you would. So good. good so priorities. it was. It was in uh, December of two thousand four when I first saw this film, and it was so fantastic. Like it's just, it was just wonderful. Well, it's it's I think so it really. Sorry, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, it's so sad, TJ. You
1: didn't grow up with this classic. Uh, hmm.
0: Well, yeah. I. Uh, hmm. Anyway, it, it's <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. I, I survived. I, I believe that uh, my life has been enriched by this film, having seen it now in my adult years uh, as a uh, young. Uh, how old would I have been? I think I was about 23, 22 when I saw the film. I'd have to do some math to figure that out. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, yeah, so. Uh, this film is, is just it's it's just fantastic. Um, one one thing I want to note though before we really dive in here is that uh, Buttercup has kind of turned mean in her later years. As she's become quite the politician, <laughs> and she uh, she really uh, she really knows how to get stuff done in in in, in the uh, the White House and stuff. So
2: hmm. <laughs> It's all those jugs from the nineties. E- the what now? Jugs.
0: Oh, okay. Susan Forrest Gump. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Gen A. So, uh, Chad, why don't you kick us off and tell us about this film? what you think?
2: It, you've said a lot already. It's a classic. I mean, <laughs> I actually saw it about, uh, around the same time as you, uh, I would have been a lot younger, but I think it was <laughs> 2005. I would have been 12 or 13. Mm-hmm. And, uh, man, from the very beginning, uh, I, I remember laughing at all the same jokes. I still laugh at, I mean, it, it's, it's just such a classic timeless film. And I think I could probably watch it every single day and, never tire of it.
0: Yeah, it's not a very quotable movie or anything. Oh, not at all. That would that would be inconceivable. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, Joe.
1: Yeah, I was just uh making a, a tally of some of the accolades, the professional awards and um things that it has made over the years. It's got the in the Total Film Magazine, it was voted uh the 38th greatest comedy film of all time. William Goldman's screenplay was selected by the Writers Guild of America as the eighty-fourth best screenplay of all time. The American Film Institute's uh eighty-eighth out of one hundred of um the uh, whatever passions list, greatest films of all time. Very confusing, uh lists indeed, sir. But uh yeah, it's um it wins a lot of awards, it's got all, all this these accolades and it deserves them it's a cult classic um certainly one that i am really happy i saw when i was a kid when i could appreciate things like the rodents of unusual size <laughs> and uh and, and nowadays it's just a great uh kind of movie to watch with pizza you know I'm, i haven't watched it with the kids yet because i think that it would uh scare a few things would scare them mm. and uh probably there's more blood in this film than you would expect from a traditional fairy tale sort of film um surprisingly things like you know the near death experience for the dread pirate roberts <laughs> doesn't seem to actually be all that scary no because it's scheme so of things. farcical yeah yeah but then there's other things that are like holy cow look at all the blood you know sword fight or something you know
0: yeah that that, um, that sword fight was actually pretty as i was watching it this past sunday night that sword fight between Anigo and uh, uh, Christopher Guest's character, um, uh, Count uh, Rogan, um, he, he, that's pretty brutal, really. It's yeah. really brutal.
1: What comes to mind is the, uh, to quote the uh, Black Widow <laughs> in A Bug's Life, Oh, wow, look at all the colors of the blood. <laughs> with just poking (laughs) each other left and right. I
0: don't don't remember that. I I guess it's been several years since I've seen a bug's life. Really? It's funny. I
1: don't know why, but quotes from a bug's life came to my mind when I saw this movie. Like whenever I think of the sword fights, I'm shocked that no one said in the movie, swish, swish, clang, clang. (laughs) that (laughs) That came to my mind.
0: Uh yes. Sorry, wrong movie. <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> so so one of the things that I love about this movie is that it doesn't try to be this big epic um, you know, uh, excuse me. It, it, no no no, Explain. listen, it doesn't try to be something that it's not. It it it
1: tries to be epic and it does it intentionally no,
0: for laughs. No, I I hmm, I would disagree. See, it, but it does it intentionally for laughs. It's not trying to be Avengers Age of Ultron. It's not trying to be Transformers, or you know, as much as we hate Transformers, it's not—it's not trying to be this big summer blockbuster movie event. It just kind of is what it is, and it's playing it up for laughs and. It doesn't try to be something that it's not. It's not trying. Yeah, it's to, pretty
1: it's, sweet and very folksy.
0: It's it's not trying to be um, a, a, Cinderella
1: by the prince uh Disney. I mean, like, that sure, criticism yeah. you can make of the most recent uh, Cinderella, the live action Cinderella. If anything, it, it's it's kind of pretentious
0: a little bit. Yes. Um, but but this movie doesn't take itself seriously at all. Like, um, you know, it's just like when the, when Buttercup uh, tosses Wesley down the hill as you and she then she tosses herself down the hill. Right. And, and it's like, <laughs> this is not serious at all. And, no. And, <laughs> and you know the way that the, the the book reading will be interrupted and 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 uh Fred Savage um I don't remember his name uh he's like oh grandpa is this kissing we can't be, you know it, it's just it anytime there's a serious moment you they just lighten it up a little with some fun you know um, so it, it's just wonderful that way. Um, I go back and forth on the, the, the storytelling, the framing device, you know, yeah, with, with the book, yeah. but I mostly like it because it's so funny when, when it oh, I love breaks it. in. I,
1: yeah. yeah. You can't overthink this kind of film. It feels like in some ways that there were scenes that feel like they were even somewhat improvised. Like maybe they got the, that takes done a different, um, a myriad of different ways. And they just found the one that seemed to be, have the best comical timing. Uh, but then at the same time, it feels like if there is a shortcoming in this approach, I don't know that this is a big deal or not, but it also feels like at times just little in little ways, it feels more like a Saturday night light, uh, Saturday night, uh, live, uh, skit. Than it does a full-fledged film where things were really thought through. <laughs> That's true. So, yes. <laughs> so that there are times when it feels like they just t- took the first take and ran with it. Um, not overly precise. Not very meticulous. And for instance, I think that even while uh, Prince Humperdinck, uh, the actor, did a fine job and he he presents the villain well enough, they didn't need to. Uh, they didn't uh, try too hard to actually uh, use him to the fullest degree. I feel like he was. Uh, he, he he was he was underutilized there. Could, they could have done some more with him, hmm. but then again, maybe it was just the story, the story material. Because if I remember right, the, uh, the author of the original novel also wrote the screenplay. So perhaps the vision as it was, they just got the humperdink that was in the book. I don't know. <laughs> well, uh,
2: speaking of the book, you know, both the book and the film have framing devices. Uh, they're different for the two of them. Uh, and in the book, the way it's framed is the author, William Goldman is abridging an existing work that is more of a history of the countries of Florin and Gilder. And the version that we get is the abridged version that his dad read to him as a child when he was sick in bed. And so it's sort of the—they they took the film's framing device out of the framing device of the book. And they're both hysterical in their own ways. But I think what really works with it in the film is that Fred Savage's character, who— TJ, does, he doesn't have a name. He's just the grandson or it, okay, whatever you want to call what, him. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Uh, he, he sort of echoes the audience's feelings if they were to watch it for the first time. Mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. W- we are growing attached to the characters in the same way that he is. And we have the same reactions when when Buttercup marries Humperdinck in her dream or right, which uh, we when don't Wesley know. is killed. Ex- exactly. All those kind of situations. He's just echoing our feelings and the grandfather is responding to us in in real time and that's what i think really works about
0: it <laughs> yeah yeah I, I i agree um the that 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 scene though that really shows you it reveals just how much you have fallen for these characters and you didn't even realize it when all of a sudden she's marrying hupperdink you really are and and then he he really does echo those same sentiments you have you like what is happening <laughs> please stop do not do this you can't do this no stop you're, you're telling it wrong no, yes. <laughs> you're messing up the story grandpa <laughs> yes uh i i completely agree and it, it's great I, that's why i even though i go back and forth like there's a couple of times when it's like i don't know about this training device but mostly it's for stuff like that it really works well um so yeah and i've, I've never read the book so anytime shad you can bring a uh a point about the book in like that that's that's good um, so, so one of my what, I, what uh, one of the things we have to talk about, because everybody has to have a favorite, famous favorite scene from a movie like this, I would think, uh, what, what is your favorite scene from, from this movie, Joe?
1: Mm, it'd have to be the sword fight on top of the cliffs of the, uh, what was it? Uh, the insane and uh, the cliffs, cliffs of, of insanity. insanity. Yes. The, the sword fight there you it s- is brilliant. <laughs> you I seem love a-
0: every, oh. I relish every second of it. You seem a good fellow. I hate to kill you. You mm. seem a good fellow. I hate to die. I hate to die.
2: <laughs> and what's what's interesting about that scene is both Carrie Elwes and uh, Mandy Patinkin learned to fence with both hands to film that scene. Everything yes. you see in that scene, except for the two somersaults, were those two actors, which is fantastic.
0: Yes, yes. Um, and 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 that was one of the things I was points I was going to make is despite the fact that this film doesn't take itself very seriously, that is really great choreography and sword fighting and sword yeah. play. I mean, it, it is, is just it's it's you know it's not like. Uh, uh lightning speed you know sword play from star wars or something from the prequels which are terrible otherwise but have great sword play sometimes Mm -hmm. um but but it's really good especially i think for the time period you just i I don't know i i just really enjoyed the sword play in this film and and it was it was very obvious that both of these men trained really hard for such a, a a movie that just wasn't very serious they took it very seriously yeah sword
1: fighting scenes in general and throughout Hollywood history have been taken very seriously the the swordsmen are very proud of the skill that they can pick up and i think at the time that they were also trained for this film by probably the go-to sword master teacher that has you know coached many a Hollywood actor over the years i think the same guy was also used for some of the Star Wars films if i'm not mistaken i'm not sure about that mm. but he was used uh, for a great number of swashbucklers And that kind of thing just, uh, you know, is something that Hollywood films have always been proud of is there, you know, they can't always shoot a gun and actually shoot somebody with it. They can't, they can't always pull off a car chase with realistic, you know, vehicles doing things that they would do in the real world. If you have an explosion, you can't actually throw the person into the explosion. But if you have a sword fight, pretty much everything except for the ounces of blood actually spilt, the sword fight can be real. So if they're going to do it, they they do it right.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Did you know that Iocane powder is a real thing? (laughs) Oh, is it really? I really, I thought it was made up for the movie and it literally works the way they say in the movie. That's what makes it so funny. This is a real thing. Like it, it, can. You know be, that would be a great way to go. Uh, <laughs> so I don't know if it like kills you instantly like that with a smile frozen on your face, but but it it literally it's a, it's a tasteless, odorless uh, 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 toxin, and uh, you can build up an immunity to it. It takes several years, but you can build up an immunity to it. So um, this says <laughs> when ingested orally, it shocks the main spinal ganglion, killing the subject in one to two seconds. So actually, it lasted a little long in the movie. <laughs> uh, but, the, but the reason well, i'm I guess maybe this up once
1: he gets into the bloodstream it, my, it would take that effect that fast
0: i i would have to say probably my favorite scene is the one with the iocane oh uh, man you stole it from me tj yeah he's like um so uh you know wesley's like all right where's the poison the battle of wits has begun and Vizini's like but it's so simple all i have to do is divine from you what i know you of you you are the sort of man who would put the poison into his own goblet or or his enemies Now a clever man would put the poison into his own goblet because he would know that only a great fool would reach for what he was given. Truly, you have a dizzying intellect. (laughs) He's like, you've made your decision then. Not remotely. (laughs) Because Iocane comes from Australia, as everyone knows. And Australia is entirely people with criminals. What I
1: want to know is what the heck is the point about switching the goblets? I mean, if you're going to pick anyway, who cares?
0: Uh, Because he believed – well, anyway. (laughs) I don't know. It just – (laughs) <laughs> I think my
2: favorite line from that scene is uh, he says, inhale this, but do not touch. I do not smell anything. What you do not
1: smell is Iocane powder. I laugh at
2: that <laughs> line every time. What you do not smell.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: what i love about this movie in general is like i said in my notes it's just the the kind of film that 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 is uh, the stuff that memes are made of oh yes From beginning to end <laughs> there's so much you can use from this material
0: uh, this material it's just brilliant my favorite meme ahead of its time my favorite meme is the t- time saving the the uh, time one you know it's like we just sucked one hour of your life away tell me how do you feel yeah. You know <laughs> <laughs> yeah. another Christ. thing is that
1: it feels like a great mashup of americanized british humor i don't know if, if, if there was anything british about it or not but it seemed like that was channeled sometimes uh, do either of you get that impression
0: uh i could see where you could you could this would be very close to british like humor. It,
1: it like the british the, the british uh, the most britishized humor uh, that i can think of that um americans really dig is things like multi-pythons the holy grail right that that clearly is like unfiltered true british humor it's
0: awful and then again (laughs) at the same
1: time (laughs) well that's another review for another time but it but the thing is is that when left to their own devices the british humor can sometimes go places that americans just don't get and understand and can't appreciate and they do things that just don't add up to us But this this feels like it's neither American, neither British, but somewhere in between where the Americans would get things that they get and understand. And then people over in the UK would understand a great number of things as well that we wouldn't necessarily be able to appreciate. But in its own quirky way, it still makes us smile. Yeah. I admire it for its eccentricities.
2: I think the best part about this movie is uh, just the characters. I I think you can have as many quotable quotes in a movie as you want, but if you don't have – characters who are believable in their own ways deliver them then they don't mean anything and every single character in this movie has something sort of endearing about them except with the exception of maybe humperdinck and Rugen, because you're just not supposed (laughs) to like anything about them
0: sure but they still they still work well as characters that's that's exactly what i'm usually what i usually like about films is the characterization and that's i think why i love this film so much is because you have such great characters there you know the story is really just a um it's, it's kind of there to be a framework for characters. And and that is what I really love about this film. And the story doesn't matter so much as the characters And strangely enough though, buttercup is the one that has the least characterization. She just sort of exists and she's in love with the guy and, and it's fine. And she's endearing and everything. But I think the, the character that steals this movie the most is an Like oh, he sure. is the heart and soul of this film. And, and, and he's the one where, when you think that he's not going to get the, the, uh, uh, the uh, the, what's the word I'm looking for the not the re- I mean it was revenge but the word I'm looking for the justification or, or whatever it is Um, when he's not going to get that you really you're like you're just about to burst into tears like he's he's wanted this all his life you know and he imagined it all his life and what uh, for good or bad whether I'm I know I'm rooting for him to you know kill somebody with a sword but I still was that was what I was rooting for
2: well I think uh, I'm not a huge fan of overusing curse words in films, but I think he has one of the most well-placed ah, curse words in, yes. in existing in film. I
0: want my that, that, father back. Uh,
2: right, right. I mean, end it yourself. Uh, yes. Well, not audience, but, uh, <laughs> that, that's just one of the best well-placed curse words in a film ever, just because it, it really draws from the emotion in the moment. Uh, you have, you think his dream is shut down then he stands back up, he fights through it, he's delivering that line over and over and over again, and at the end of it, you feel his victory, but you also feel his anguish as he delivers that line, and it's just so well-placed.
0: Yes. My name is Anigo Montoya. You kill my father. Prepare to die. My name is Anigo Montoya. You kill my father. Prepare to die. <laughs> Would you stop, stop saying that? Saying that? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the one thing that I did note, um, you could almost, I, I really don't call it a dislike because who cares, but like, you know, an ego gets a knife thrown into his stomach and he, you think he's dead, right? You think he's going yeah. to die and he lives through it and then he does the exact same thing to Rugen and he, Rugen know. dies. That's a little right. bit frustrating.
1: Yeah, that bugs me too, but not not enough to really care. Like I actually the first time that I noticed that was this last time that I watched the movie. It had not occurred to me before.
0: Well, you know what they say, Joe, life is pain. Anyone who says differently is trying to sell you something. <laughs> hmm. <laughs> uh yes so speaking of
1: dislikes i i think that when i was a child the rodents of unusual size really worked for me a bit too well and, but these days <laughs> i'm super disappointed you're
0: saying the cgi falls a little bit flat joe yeah yeah just, you know, <laughs>
1: not very realistic cgi there at all
0: uh i love speaking the, of the I special love the effects that's actually
1: something the film does rather well i don't know if the, you would call them special effects i'm not thinking that there was much computer work here no there was not But when they did some of the uh camera trickery and maybe some of the uh the matte masks and things like uh, matte paintings and yes, stuff yes. for background scenery and beautiful sunsets and the expanse of, you know, a huge body of water or, you know, something like that. I'm really impressed. Like that that stuff worked really well.
0: Well, and that is one of the things I love about this film. And just to clarify, Joe, there was no CGI in this film. There was, I think, two shots with matte paintings and one at the very end, you know, where they were kind of going off into the mountains or the whatever and then there was one somewhere else i can't remember exactly where it was. So there was some matte paintings but mostly it was all practical effects. And i think that's what makes this movie work so well and yes, even the R.O.U.S.'s, that's that's probably the most the thing that doesn't hold up the most over the years but even that like i i love our i love the R.O.U.S.s just as a, as a device in the film and so i completely forgive it. And for the most part, i feel like this film uh feels more real and more gritty and, and more realistic than a modern CGI film. I mean, I mean, again, it's like we talked about last week or wh- whatever week it was that we did Jurassic park. Was that last week? I think it was, uh, and, and when we talked about the, um, the uncanny Valley of CGI, it just, it's still there. It's even though it's gotten better, it's still in that uncanny Valley and it, your brain just sh- shuts it out. And all this, it feels like real substance. And, and cause it is, and it right. works. It actually works better for me. I, 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 you know there are very there are precious few films from the 80s that I really enjoy and this is one of them and and this is part of it I I think
1: yeah and some of the faces in this movie Peter Falk as the grandfather he just nails the character and sure he, he's such a lovable guy and you don't get to see him in that all that many films these days because most of his films were not very all well not all that timeless and so when you see him in this role he feels like he is that character. Because you don't have another reference point that, you know, oh, he was Columbo. Well, most people these days, you know, were, that are born today, they've never seen Columbo, so they don't care. They don't know that uh, the point of reference. And so to him, to them, he is just, you know, the grandfather in the Princess Bride. And so it's nice to have that kind of character. I always like it when you come across a film like that where I, I know it's maybe not the best thing for these actors' careers, But for the sake of the audience's experience, when you see the character, the actor and the combination, you think of them as the person. And that helps you to get invested in the story and take it a little bit more to heart because you're not always reminded by the face of Tom Cruise that, you know, he is Tom Cruise and he's just playing here. You know, that doesn't (laughs) come to mind when you see Peter Falk.
0: Yeah, Um, I really don't have a lot more. It's just a great, fun movie. Um, I mean – Ultimately, this film is just unapologetically fantasy, and and that is really what I think just sells it for me. Yeah,
1: um, and 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 because of just all of the right ingredients, all the right details, it's greater than the sum of its parts. It's really timeless.
0: So, do either of you two have things that you would like to uh, to find wrong with this film?
1: I I just have the one complaint: the rodents of unusual size. Mm.
2: What about you, Chad? I don't think I have anything really to, bad to say about this film.
1: Right? I, what I wrote down is,
0: how can you find something wrong with this film? It's just good fun. Like, what do you what are you going to find I wrong did. with it?
1: Well, maybe there was a patch of grass that you didn't like the look of. You know.
0: Uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, whatever. Did, did
1: you like the witch? You know? Did you like her interaction with Billy Crystal's Humperdink? Humperdink!
0: Humperdink! Humperdink!
1: Yes, I loved it. <laughs> okay, good. Well, then you can't complain.
0: No, no, not at all. <gasps>
2: I, actually, I, I, uh, I just stopped writing writing notes while watching the film earlier because I uh, filled up the page just like halfway <laughs> through. I was like, oh man, I, I can't say anything else about this.
0: Well, I feel like you're, you're holding not, back, back then, Chad. It. We haven't heard of page notes yet. No, no, no. The, the,
1: the The point is, is that all you could say was I liked this, I liked that, I liked that. Exactly. I, liked, I, liked, I, liked. I mean,
2: I think we should probably release an episode of us just sitting watching the movie and saying, oh, I liked that, and I liked that. Okay, this was really cool. <laughs> oh man, that line was hilarious. I, I think we could do that. <laughs>
1: Best commentary ever.
0: You know, I've thought about releasing like a a commentary track and say, start the movie now, you know, and just talk about it. But we've never done that before. It would have to be a different show. Yeah. Um, Yeah. (laughs) So um, did you guys know uh, that uh, Andre the Giant was actually very, very weak? He had like some condition and he was – by the time he filmed this film, like he was much stronger in his younger days, but – uh, he was obviously a wrestler and stuff, but he was very weak. He couldn't even like in the scene where the, where they're jumping from the, uh, uh, from the, from the w- window, he couldn't actually catch anybody. And they had to p- have people on like wires and stuff. And, uh, I, I found that very interesting cause he, he really convincingly pulls off just how big and strong he is.
2: Right. And you know, in the scene where Wesley jumps on his back and chokes him into unconsciousness, yes. uh, he was, uh, Carrie always was actually just walking on a ramp
0: yes uh, along the
2: back, um, but he's also French, which is why a lot of his uh, speech is difficult to discern sometimes. Well, that
0: was the other thing is they actually had to read his lines to him, and he didn't really understand what they were, and that's what. And, right. <laughs> and so he would just say them, and he, you know, could had a hard time getting them right because he didn't know what he if he, what he was saying was right or not.
2: <laughs> yeah, but gosh darn it, if he's not the most lovable character. Oh in this man, film. yeah,
0: yeah. My way is not very sportsmanlike. <laughs> <laughs>
2: oh, good, my way. Thank you, Vizini. Wait, what? What's my way?
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh, yes. Uh, we can just go on, uh, with, uh, with a bunch oh, of very quotes. Quotable. He didn't fall. Inconceivable. <laughs> you keep using that word. I do not think it means what you think it means. <laughs> <sighs> Although I'll, I have to say I had forgotten, like I remembered it last night or a couple nights ago when I watched it, I'd kind of forgotten how great this line was. And when they're trying to get the gate keys, give us the gate key. You know, I, I have no gate key. That's <laughs> like, tear his arms off. Oh, you mean this gate key. <laughs> <laughs> uh it's just it's such a quotable movie it just has so many great quotes yes how weird is it how weird is it that um uh reiner directed this and when harry met sally and then he turns around and directs such a a a very serious classic like a few good men um and it's just so (laughs) opposite i mean it's just so weird and and you like talented director yeah yeah for sure like How do you do that? How do you – and literally, like, A Few Good Men was only a couple years later. Like, how do you change gears like that? I don't know. Uh, But he did. He's – I'm just looking through. He's turned out some some decent films, you know, Uh, a film that I haven't seen yet that everybody says I need to see, and I know that I'm a miserable, horrible person. Like, I haven't seen it. This is Spinal Tap. Um, You know, that was before. That was, like, his big, I I think, breakthrough film, and and then he did stuff like When Harry Met Sally and uh, uh, The Princess Bride. Um and then we have actually reviewed a few good men, which is such a great film. So I'm looking to see if he's done anything else that I've uh heard of. But uh yeah, he kinda he kinda dried up there for a little bit. Well he yeah, uh maybe not. Anyway. He did this is a spinal or a spinal tap, the final tour. This is a video short. I hadn't heard of that one before. So mm, me neither, huh? Yeah. He Actually, it's funny. I've always thought of Rob Reiner as a director, but he's actually acted on a lot more things than he's directed. He's been in 68 things as an actor and only 24 things that he's directed. That's interesting. He's listed as a composer for a film. Oh, this is Spinal Tap. Interesting.
1: <laughs>
0: interesting indeed. Yeah. All right, guys. Uh, what else you got?
1: I really don't have many specifics. Like we've already kind of covered what's kind of fun about this f- film is just – the hilarity is mostly in the dialogue and this is something Mm -hmm. that's glossed over by a great number of people who love a good film. You know, we all love this film and it gets good ratings and it's high up there in top and you know, the timeless films of all time. And it seems like every uh, Tom Dick and critic is going to tell you that a movie should show, not tell. And then this film, you know, it it does a good deal of showing, but it it has a lot of telling to go and coincide with it. And I feel like this is a great example of when I say things like, the dialogue is kind of weak. When I look at other movies, and I've said that over the, the years that we've been doing Movie Bite, it's because I'm thinking of great movies like this where not a word was wasted, and if any of these words were left out of the screenplay, then I would have been grossly disappointed. I feel like there's a lot to work with here, even if you didn't have... Um, some of the action, I mean, like, really, like at the end of the day, if the sword play fights were kind of disappointing, I would have been very happy, just content with just the good dialogue.
0: Well, I think that's what makes this movie so great is it's all of the elements work to get like, so you're right. Every single element by on its own would be great. And if, if some, if, if one of the elements was taken away, it would still be a great film, but you've combined so many great elements to make something so much greater because you're absolutely right. The dialogue yeah. is fantastic. And if it were the di- – just for the dialogue alone, it's very – I would say uh, – correct me if I'm kind of out on left field here, but I would say it's very – almost – like I would not be surprised if you told me Joss Whedon wrote this dialogue because it feels very uh, <laughs> sat- satiric, the way that Joss Whedon writes, just in that – you know the, the turns of phrases and the quips. So, so it has that aspect. It has the great swordplay. Yeah. It has the great story. Like it's just such a great, fanciful story. So it, it, you combine all these things, and you take something that was – good all these elements that were good and then you put them together and it becomes something great so yeah i think
2: this film makes a strong case for having authors adapt their books for film absolutely Um, whether that's in partnership with somebody who who does have that screenplay experience because honestly writing a book and writing a screenplay are two very different animals and you you do need help on that and uh I mean, Holes, I think the the Holes film uh, based off the book by Lewis Sacker, that screenplay was written by the author as well. And it's a very good film. It's a very good adaptation. We have the same thing here. I'm hoping when we get the same thing from Fantastic Beasts and we're just to, about find them to mention that with yes. uh, J.K. Rowling. I mean, yes. I think this film and films like this make a very strong case for let the author adapt their work because they know what they need to put in there uh, to, to To make it come to life, they they and they can give great input too in stuff like casting and and all these visions in their head that they can help to put in the heads of everybody else.
0: Well, it makes sense. I mean, if they're the familiar with the source material, material and their name is not George Lucas, then you know they're going to be able to (laughs) to really bring the vision that they had properly to film, even if they're doing it with help. And that's why I think, especially the later. Uh, Harry Potter films. Since you brought up J.K. Rowling, they're so good. Is because she started to have more and more influence over the scripts and, and things, and was working closely with the writers, and became more and more trusted as it became obvious that she knew what she was doing and she knew what the story was. Exactly. Uh, and and yeah, you definitely because uh, w- William Goldman was that the name of the author? Yes. Uh, he wrote the book, and then he wrote the screenplay, uh, and and he he brought his vision for the book to the screen. And so you don't, Hey, you don't have this nagging feeling going, Oh man, if the author had just had his way, it's see these problems that I have with it. If the author had been able to be more involved. You don't have that. It's gone. It's, it's, that is not even there. It's not even in the back of your mind. Cause you know that he adapted it. And uh, yeah, it's just, it's, it's such a great film. I can't say enough good things about this film.
2: I think it, you could sum it up by saying we're three grown men reviewing a film with the word princess in the title. <laughs> and that really speaks to how good princess it is and
0: overall. bride. Right. Exactly. I mean,
2: that, that says it all right there.
0: Yeah. Right. I, I, I'm trying to remember my reaction when, uh, when Rachel and her family told me I had to watch it, but I'm sure it was something like the princess bride. I have to watch that. <laughs> it sounds like a chick flick on paper, but wives you know, and
1: daughters yeah. sound of music. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh hey don't knock the sound of music now come on just, i'm just saying that
1: by title alone <laughs> you can knock it by title alone
0: all right well i think we are we've talked this thing out even though there's so much more we could talk about um i think we'd just be going around in circles um and that would be inconceivable um <laughs> <laughs> so uh i think that we should uh, kind of wrap things up and uh bring it in for a landing so joe why don't you uh, bring your thoughts in for a landing here
1: well, well, when I first uh, heard of the movie as a child, I wasn't crazy about the title either, TJ. But as I watched the movie for the first time, I still remember that experience. I remember watching it eating pizza with my older brother and it was a special night and it was something very memorable. It, it, and that's what you want from a great uh, comedy is you want a memorable experience. That you, that, it's funny. Here you're watching a movie and you're not doing anything but just you know emotionally responding to it yet you can have a memory of that response and this is one of those films like star wars that has been etched in my memory when you know watching them for the first time not many films have that status you know i don't remember the first time i watched it's a wonderful life or the sound of music you know um they, they just kind of happened and i have a you know a good you know memory that tells me what happens in those movies but i don't really remember any time and place when i saw them so a movie like this would be one of the greatest examples of a a timeless film that, that I I cannot think of an age group that would not appreciate this movie. I can't wait to show, (laughs) show it to my kids, except that I'm just wanted them to be a little bit older. But, um, you know, it's, it's also mysterious to me that a film like this isn't copied more often because it's such a classic. It would seem relatively easy, low hanging fruit to make more movies like this. And I know that there have been some who tried, but it's it's very a rare find when you come across a movie that captures this kind of quality from something so simple. So even though it has a flawed soundtrack that doesn't live up to the times, doesn't transcend its time, I should say rather. And I wasn't too crazy about the rodents of unusual size, or uh, what, what, is that what they were called? The unusual size
0: uh, I ro- rodents of uh, rodents of unusual size.
1: Really? It works better when the characters say it in the movie than it does when I hear it myself with my own ears. Anyway, <laughs> um, five for five stars because wow. I've not once watched this movie and thought to myself, you know, I could go and make a bathroom break right now. You know, that, that's never happened. I want to see every little moment. Mm-hmm. I really do. Mm-hmm.
2: Chad? Uh, if I may, I'm going to read something from the review I wrote a few years ago. Please do. Um, Please do. I'm going to say this. Okay. Perhaps the success of this film could be attributed to the author of the original book, William Goldman, who also wrote the screenplay. Much of the dialogue is lifted straight from the book, but it is really the actors bringing it to life that makes it so endearing with the main lesson of the film being that there is, is such a thing as true love and that it's worth fighting for. It's got a moral worth watching for. Plus it's just plain fun. With something for everyone, the Princess Bride remains a classic even twenty five years after its release. And may I say, the book is even better. Both are worth your time, and I'm giving it four and a half. <laughs> I really want to give it five, but uh, I don't think I could call this a perfect film. I think I love it to death. I think there are very few things wrong with it. Perfect. I don't know mm-hmm. if I can give it quite give it that praise.
1: Yep, you're actually the six fingered man, aren't you? <laughs> I, I might be.
0: Ah. <laughs> uh. Alright, well, do you mean you wish to surrender? Very well I accept. <laughs> yeah, I, I love this movie uh a whole lot. Um it's just a lot of fun storming the castle, you know?
2: A fun storming the
0: castle. You think it'll work? It would take a miracle. <laughs> 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 yeah, I, I love this movie so much. There's just there like you say, both of you, uh it, there's just very, very little to find wrong with it. I literally couldn't think of anything that I wanted to say in my dislikes of this film it's It's just fantastic. it's a good ride. It's a lot of fun. It has great dialogue. it has great story. it has princesses and and romance and uh and knights and castles and you know whatever else it was that the grandpa said it had it It, it has all that stuff and it doesn't take itself too seriously it It knows just how silly it is and it runs with it and for that reason, I love this film. Uh, I highly recommend it. I give it four and a half out of five stars because like you Chad, I just somehow my conscience just won't let me give it five, although I'm right there, like four point seven five, four point right. eight, four point <laughs> nine, whatever. I'm right there. I'm I'm on the I'm right on the edge. I don't even know what comes next. So <laughs> um I love this film. The uh the Rotten Tomato Critics uh consensus uh the tomato meter is at ninety-seven percent. Um, so the critics love it the audience is at 95% approval rating IMDb users, 8.2 out of 10, uh, stars. So it is, it is, uh, well-considered like it's, I know it's, you know, you're supposed to be countercultural or whatever, uh, but everybody loves it and with good reason. And with that, let's wrap up this episode, Chad, it has been so long, but now that you are back from the dead, where can people find you? <laughs>
2: The best place to keep up with me right now is on Twitter. So you can find that at twitter.com slash chadadada.
1: C-H-A-D-A-D-A-D-A. (laughs) D-A-D-A-D-A.
0: Yes, I had to do it. Sorry. Joe, where can people find you on the internet?
1: I am underscore Joe Darnell on Twitter. You can also find me from my other shows, a Tectonic podcast and also the Top Brew podcasts. And um, so I have new weekly episodes for those shows as well.
0: So can people find those by just googling tectonic and top brew? Yeah, sure, why not? Let me let me let me see if people can do that. So tectonic. Uh, oh, there you are. You're you ways down. Uh no, actually that's your Google Plus the Tectonic podcast. You got to work on your uh, you got to work on your SEO, man.
1: Uh yeah, any kind of help you could throw my way there, TJ, I'd be uh really
0: good. For that. <laughs> so tech. oh so if you if you Google Tectonic Podcast, you're the second result, and then I'm gonna assume if you do Top Brew Podcast, uh you are the first result. There you go, Topbrew.fm. All right, you can find me on Twitter as well. I am TJ Draper Pro. Uh that is where you'll find all my pithy remarks and and various things that I talk about and rant about and rave about and sometimes I uh sometimes I say even say f- something funny sometimes. Uh, but normally I just think I'm funny. So you can follow me there <laughs> if you if you want to do that. Uh, show notes for this episode will be at moviebite.com slash uh, MB slash one forty one. that is if you need to get to them on the web and you have most of the time your podcatcher will pull those in and that'll be just fine. But sometimes you need to get to them on the web, and sometimes you just want a link to share with your friends and your loved ones and the people that you care about, that you want to have good podcast content, you can share that link with them as well with that we're out of here there will not be a new episode next week Joe and I are taking the week off Joe is on vacation and I am just overwhelmed with work but uh, the next week I'm going to be uh, thinking about a guest I can have while Joe is still uh, out and dead or whatever it is that you're doing Joe and (laughs) vacationing yes so uh, stay tuned dead. we will not be uh, gone forever it's just a little break Uh, parting is such sweet sorrow but it will not be forever talk to you later guys thank you for being here Chad thanks for having me and uh, see you later, Joe. That's